Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. I'm Michael Anderson. We've got a great show for you today. We have Detective Tim Lohman from the Ventura County Sheriff's Office in studio. We're going to be talking about scams and other things that you want to protect yourself from. We hope to make the next 30 minutes a very good investment of your time. Today's show is brought to you by GEICO Local Office, car and homeowner's insurance for the 805. You can save up to 15%. Call Greg Mock of GEICO Local Office, 805-487-7847. Also brought to you by Boyd & Associates, the largest family-owned security company in Southern California, established in 1967. For your home and business security needs, please visit boydsecurity.com or call 805-650-3267. I'm very pleased to have someone from the Ventura County Sheriff's Office here in studio. We have Detective Tim Lohman here to talk about various scams and ways people can protect themselves from being a victim to these scams. We all get so many phone calls and there are other threats going that sometimes we know about, sometimes we don't know about. But Tim Lohman, thank you for being in studio today. Good morning, Mike. Thank you. So I'm, I'm so pleased that you're here because I'll tell you, my phone has been ringing off the hook and it's fascinating. It'll often say scam likely. And it's such a nuisance. I say, gosh, I'm not the only one getting these phone calls now. What's going on with all these phone calls? Well, Mike, it's, uh, it's, it's referred to as robocalling. A lot of people are receiving them now and actually they're trying to do something about it. But at this point, you know, it, it's, it's kind of up in the air. There are apps that people have on their phones, and there's applications that you can actually pay for, like RoboKiller or Nomo Robo. Those are apps designed to try to stop these types of calls from occurring. But ultimately, their whole goal, if they can get through, will notice that these are scammers trying to get a hold of you. It's fascinating. Sometimes, um, you know, if it says scam likely, normally I'll just not answer it. But sometimes it doesn't say that, and I'll, and I'll answer it. And then maybe they'll hang up or maybe, you know, most often they just hang up. Is there something they're doing when they just get me to answer and hang up? I mean, do you know the strategy that they're trying to employ? Well, generally what they're doing is they're trying to make sure that it's a valid phone number and that actually somebody owns that phone line and that's going to answer it. Therefore, they can become their next victim. Here's my whole advice on that is just not to answer the phone. I mean, if you don't recognize the phone number, don't answer it. If it's important enough, they'll leave you a message. And quite honestly, once they leave you that message, that's your time that you can actually verify or research whether that phone number is associated with a scam through internet websites, search engines like Google and such. So let's get into it now with regards to, let's say someone you know, spoofed a number, you get a call and you feel like you answer it and someone there says they have some information about you, but they want more information. Sometimes that happens. I saw this recently with a co-work colleague right next to my office. A colleague got a phone call and they said they were someone that they weren't. And they were requesting them to do things that made them very nervous. How do they normally employ things to get you engaged to give them money? Well, basically, their whole goal is to try to get personal information from you or ask you to go purchase a gift card. So in in situations like this, you know, again, it's best not to answer the phone. But suppose that you do. Suppose that you answer the phone. Remember that if you're not initiating the call, meaning that the call's coming to you, don't provide any personal information, bank account information, credit card information, even your social security number. But what if they already have some of that information? At that point, I wouldn't even verify it. 
because again, they're going to use that to, to trick you. Now, keep in mind that a lot of our personal information is out there. It's easy for us to do. You go and research something online, you're able to get people's addresses, phone numbers, children, income levels. So it's easy because these public websites have made it easier. Open source websites have made it easy for, for scammers to get this information. So they, so, okay. So someone has some information, they call, don't validate it, don't give them any information just hang up the phone and what do you do? Well, I would hang up the phone immediately. And then you can employ websites like uh, through the Federal Trade Commission. You can file a complaint there. If you're at a financial loss, let's suppose that you fall for the scam and you end up sending money, you always contact your local police department and file a case. With this scenario, though, assuming that uh, like someone says, calls and says, hey, we're from, the, we're from the IRS and you're supposed to receive some more money, but I need to verify some information and yada, yada, yada. So you're saying hang up the phone, but who do you, but you, you then you call them, right? You call. Oh, correct. What you're going to do is you're going to research or verify the phone number. So, so the residents in Ventura County are lucky because there is a satellite office for the IRS. If we're talking about that particular scam, it's easy for them, for a resident to just go down to the satellite office on daily drive or look up the phone number and call them directly to see if they owe any types of monies. Now, are there common like uh, places essentially? Or do people, are you notice people reporting issues where they're common? Like uh, they're saying they're from the IRS, or they're saying they're from you know Southern California Edison, or they're saying are there common names that they use that they're seeing them you know report themselves to be? Yeah. So what we're seeing is actually the IRS is one, Southern California Edison as well. And then the jury duty scam, which is another one that's out there where they actually claim to be a police officer or a sheriff's deputy in the, in the county of Ventura. Wow. That's scary. What's, how do they do that or what? So they'll call residents on the phone and state that they've missed a jury duty. They were supposed to be a jury duty and they didn't show up. Uh, then they say that a warrant is going to be issued for their arrest. Now, mind you, in the 25 years that I've been a law enforcement officer, I've never arrested anybody for not showing up at jury duty. But they'll instruct them to go down and get a gift card, and then they'll ask them to read the numbers off the back, basically telling them that this will exclude them from being arrested or having to show up at jury duty. That's their, like, payment, their fine. So, and, and another thing I want to tell people is that the judges in Ventura County don't accept gift cards, so we don't want to g- give them that. <laughs> of course. So, well, that's fascinating. Well, you, you know, you spoke to this a little bit, you know, when we were briefing for the interview, but emotionally— they try and get you emotionally involved. How do they do that? Or what are some tactics they try and employ to get you emotionally involved? Well, the, and again, this is an emotionally driven crime. For, for example, um, when we look at the grandparent scam, they state that their granddaughter or grandson has been arrested and they're in another country and that the victim in this case needs to help them and get out of jail. The other one is the uh, ransom, the kidnap ransom scam. That plays on people's fears because what they're stating when they call the victims on the phone, they're basically saying, hey, we're going to kill one of your family members if you don't pay this ransom. So when that emotion or the fear in this case comes about people lose all sense of reality and they start going through the motions and they don't look at the whole picture and when i say look at the whole picture i'm talking about hanging up the phone and calling the person who they say they have uh, kidnapped and making sure that they're okay instead they send the money first and then they find out that they've been scammed so we're trying to tell people to to do their research first to make sure that they contact 
the person who they say they have um, that they've kidnapped or even the grandchild that might be in jail because this could take away a lot of the the fact that they're giving away their money to these scammers well that really is scary stuff and and i'll tell you it's it's really frustrating in many ways for all of us to receive these phone calls but phone is one issue that we see another one is through emails and what are some of the common ways that people are getting scammed or or scammers are trying to run their run their scam on people through email well emails are are actually starting to take a major incline right now as far as crimes are concerned because a lot of people are receiving emails that might look legit for example um, i received one that was from federal express so i thought Um, and what it asked me to do is click on a link but when you look at the actual email and who it's from it actually came from somebody at Comcast.com. Now, generally, when we're talking about businesses sending us emails, normally their domain name would include their business name. For example, Chase.com, BankofAmerica.com, AmericanExpress.com. Their business name should be in that email. Now, is that always the case? No. But when I tell people to look at those emails, I want them to start getting in the habit of seeing who it's from. And how do we do that? We put our cursor over who it's from and it should display the whole email address before you respond and not only that we need to be careful on which links that we click on read the whole message if it's from your bank and saying hey your card has been compromised just click on this link to reset your credit card or even your bank card you know we are in such a technology world where we use emails and text messages and we we get away from that phone contact so In situations like that, when you have a suspicious email, pick up the phone and call that company. That's the easiest way to do it and say, hey, did did you just send me an email from about my credit card or my bank card or even uh, about a package I'm supposed to pick up? Now, assuming, you know, and that's that is scary because those emails do come in. You know, I've gotten them. I think everyone has probably gotten them if you're using email and you want to be vigilant about, you know, not clicking on these these phishing scams assuming that they got in I, I guess sometimes they will just now get access to be able to monitor your emails what are they doing with monitoring your emails or what are they doing once they get in well if you're a business it's a big problem if they're monitoring your emails they're actually seeing who you're doing business with who you're sending money to who your treasurer is with your company that way what they'll do is then they will spoof the email address and then try to get you to send money. So supposing you're a treasurer of a company, they're going to try to get a hold of you and say, oh, oh hey, there's an invoice that needs to be paid, or hey, I'm, uh, I'm out of uh, the office right now, but I need you to send money to this bank or wire money somewhere else. So that's what they're doing, is that they're trying to get in there and trying to see who is doing the communicating, who the people are, who the players are that are responsible for the finances. Now, are there ways to safeguard ourselves from something like that? I mean, would changing your passwords help? Or what are ways to safeguard, you know, if if you've already been compromised to now get to safe again? I think changing your password is the biggest thing that you can do. And I recommend changing your password at least every three months, if not sooner. And don't use the same password for every single account that you might, or every 
website or secured website that you might be using, use different ones. That's going to be the number one is changing the, is just changing your password alone. Number two is making sure that you have proper software on your computers to protect you against viruses and stuff. There are plenty of them out there. There's not one that I can recommend, but I, if you go to uh, stores in the community or even talk to a computer repair person, they'll tell you which kind of security software that you should have on your computer. Now, some people talk about programs where you have um, like LastPass, where you have a you have you know essentially something that stores your password and gives a some type of I don't know safeguard to using a new password for your stuff, but you just remember the one password to get into the other items. How do you feel about those, and um, how have those worked out? Well, I, I've used a password generator before, and and generally what ends up happening is, yeah, it's it's a huge password, and it has a, a, a symbols and digits, and and it's difficult to remember. For for people like myself, because there are so many passwords, I, I keep it on my phone, and it requires me because it's encrypted, so it requires me to use my thumbprint in order to get into the passwords. I haven't seen an issue with those being compromised at this time. Again, it's it, because they are encrypted encrypted within your phone. Uh, even if you lose your phone, the only way that they're going to get into it is if they have your thumbprint or if you have facial recognition to open your phone. Those are the ways that are going to get it. But And that brings us to a new point is it's always good to have a password or some other security feature to get into your phone just in case you lose it. It's, it's fascinating. We're talking with uh, Tim Lohman. He's a detective with Ventura County Sheriff's Office. We're talking about various scams, various ways that you can protect yourself from not being a victim to a phone scam, an email scam. And what are other scams out there that people should be aware of, whether it's technology-based or otherwise? Well, I think one of the ones that we're seeing quite a bit as well is the romance scam, the online dating scam. You know, a lot of people are looking for love, and think about it, you know, they have uh, plenty of sites out there like Plenty of Fish, Match.com, eHarmony, and what happens is that people will put a profile on there, and um, when they put their profile on there, they're looking for love, and, and think about it, you don't have to leave your house, you don't have to put your makeup on, you don't have to get your hair done, but you can communicate through a messaging app on the, uh, the website itself. What happens is people will make fake profiles, and those fake profiles can be either male or female. They can be anybody, and they can come from anywhere in the world. As a matter of fact, it's easy to steal somebody's profile picture and just make up a, a, a fake um, scenario or narrative of, of who they are. And we see that people are falling for these where they fall in love with the photograph and what they're saying, and they never have a conversation with them over the phone. It's all through emails or the messaging app through the website. And what ends up happening is they, they develop this relationship, and then they end up falling for it because they think that this is the person that they're going to live with forever. And essentially what they're trying to do is separate the victim from their money. So the suspect in this case, or the scammer in this case, would end up asking for money. Uh, you know, they're stuck overseas. Their passport, uh, you know, was, um, was taken away from them. Uh, they need to get a new one. They have a sick family member. Kids, they like to use kids as, a, you know, my child is sick, really sick. Can you send some money because they're in the hospital? So we've seen people fall for these scams. And, and the sad part is, is I've had a lady walk into the station and she lost $100,000 that she sent to somebody she never met. Wow. That really is scary. And it really is, you know, I think if you've, if you're getting into a relationship and you feel like you're connected to someone, sometimes that that common sense might go by the wayside a little bit and you start doing things that you'd otherwise not do because you think it's something it isn't. 
Correct. Yeah, Correct. that that really is that really is scary to do that. Um, now, if someone has suffered a financial loss from some scam like this, where where do they go to the report it? I mean, I know locally and also beyond locally. How can someone you know report this and hopefully you know work toward solving it? So the two websites that I that I recommend is the FTC, which stands for the Federal Trade Commission. So um, I would tell them to go on there and file a complaint at the FTC.gov. There's also the FBI website that's out there, and you can actually submit your complaint online. They have a, a submission button on the web page itself, and that's IC3.gov as well. They're both government websites and both ways that you can report these crimes other than your local police department. There are so many of these going out there now. I, I really find it fascinating that, that you know, I, I heard it said that for every – you know, for every essentially scam, like there's more people trying to scam you than you're even aware of outside of the country and in other places. Where are some of these originating from? Well, Nigeria, it, it tends to be one of the big ones. Um, we've had a lot of people lose money to Nigeria and also Canada. Um, it, there are other places throughout the world, but we tend to see Nigeria or Canada being places where a large amount of, of this money is going. Uh, just inside the studio, uh, we were talking earlier, and there was two letters from from various um, different sources, but that had come in, um, and they were mailed, and this is from a law office in Canada, and there's uh, someone that shares your last name that uh, it, there's no beneficiary, but there's a large sum of money, seven, nine million dollars, whatever it is, and they're going to receive, they want you to receive that money on the behalf of being the beneficiary, sharing the last name even though you never knew this person and they're going to give you a percentage. A really sophisticated type of scam that they're trying to essentially run. I, how does that work or how, I mean, are they setting you up to be a mule? Is that kind of maybe what they're doing or how, how, how might they be approaching you to get your, to get to become a victim here? Well, in, in cases like this, um, keep in mind, it's emotionally driven. So we're seeing a letter that's from a law firm. So a lot of people think, well, a law firm, uh, nobody's going to uh, misrepresent a law firm. Well, they do in these letters that I saw this morning. And basically what they're trying to do is tell you that you won this large sum of money. Again, reality goes out the window. You think, hey, it's money. I'm going, it's mine because it's somebody that uh, is related to me somehow, some way, because this law firm says so. But what we need to understand is, is two things. Number one is that they're asking for something up front. They're asking for a percentage of money up front. So they're saying, hey, send us 10% or they'll come up with a figure before you receive this million dollars that's been set aside for you. Again, this is not something that, that you have to do. You don't have to put up money for, up front to get anything. The second thing is when we receive letters like this, we need to read it through its entirety and, and look at the spelling errors and look at the grammar errors. That's going to be a big indicator as well that these are nothing more than a scam. It's, uh, it's, so, it's so interesting because, you know, we work hard for our money. We work hard for our things. And someone's trying to come and, and uh, make a move on you for them. Detective Tim Lohman is our guest today from the Ventura County Sheriff's Office. And we're talking about ways that you want to protect yourself and not become a victim. What other advice can you share with people safeguarding themselves, you know, with technology? Are there ways that people can be safe? And then we think technology a lot because that's new. Like my children are coming up and learning technology. And sometimes even on my own app or my own phone, if they're on it, they'll be playing a video game and maybe they're buying something or they're clicking something that I'm not aware of. How can we teach our children 
or teach our family members to be more vigilant about protecting themselves and our household. I think education is the most important, talking to other people and seeing what's going on out there as far as scams and stuff. And again, we've talked about the website uh, FTC. You can you can find a lot of scam stuff on there. But I believe talking to your children is going to be the best way, educating yourself. W- with the phones and credit card situations, if you store your credit card in there and your child has your phone and they can go and buy stuff, it's best to safeguard that by uh, separating your credit card so that it can't be used um, to purchase things. The other thing is, is you can also put alerts on your credit cards as well. You just call the credit card company and anytime something's charged on it, you'll be notified right away. Just basically looking at your devices, checking websites before you click on them, making sure you don't click on links are just a few of the ways that you can do it. What do we see with identity theft? I know that was an issue. I had a friend go to Disneyland. I think they used their debit card, and and then next thing you know, a lot of money is missing. Yeah, unfortunately, identity theft, believe it or not, is at the 17th highest. Or it's it's one of the crimes that's continued to climb for the last 17 years. Um, again, because a lot of our personal information is out there over the Internet, uh, you can find that information. And, and quite honestly, I can find enough about you that I can become you and uh, simply just use my picture on a driver's license that has all your information on it and drive around. And if I got pulled over, I would give them, you know, uh, give them a, a a driver's license and it's going to have my picture but your information and you're going to get the ticket Mm. you know so um it it is a huge problem and unfortunately it's one of those things um that i don't see slowing down because we see data breaches whether it be um through target or walmart or home depot where um, their websites have been hacked and now our information is out there including the irs you know where our information or even the credit reporting agencies where where um, stuff was hacked into and and now it's out there for people to use as their own unfortunately the best best way to safeguard yourself with identity theft is to put freezes on your your um, credit reports and as of February 21st I believe 2018 the credit bureaus will allow you to freeze your credit for free um, why do that and, and remember there's three credit reporting agencies out there so when you're going to freeze your credit you're going to do it to all three that way nobody can make purchases using your social security number so you're going to safeguard your credit Keep in mind with that as well, the federal government states that we can get a free credit report, one per year. But a lot of people don't know that you can get one from each credit reporting agency per year, and that's TransUnion, Equifax, and Experian. So what I generally tell people is every four months, pull a copy of your credit report. That way, you're not waiting the full year to find out, oh, wow, I have all these accounts open in my name. Because if you've ever been a victim of identity theft, it's, it's horrible to try to clean up your credit and get back to where you used to be and have an 800 score when somebody can destroy it and bring it down to 400. The other thing that I would recommend is, besides putting the freeze on the credit report, is again, going through the credit report itself and making sure that any accounts that have been opened in your name, you close or inquire about them. These are some great tips from uh, from Detective Tim Lohman. Uh, you know, it is such a big thing. I have some alerts on my debit card. If I pull out more than $40 or that gets spent, I get an email. And I know right away. And they're asking to verify that that, 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 that was me. And, and it's nice just that awareness. 
when things happen, I'm being notified and it's set up that way. So they're getting better about helping and assisting with some of those things. And there's another thing I wanted to have you talk about, which is two-factor identification. We're seeing that be used more. For people that don't know, what is two-factor identification? It's where you're not only using a password, but you may be using um, where it's requiring, besides a password, it might be requiring some four-digit number or five-digit number, whatever you set up, and then it sends you a text message or it may send you a text message first and then require you to get a code. So it's asking you to go through two sets of security, and I highly recommend it because let's just say during one of these data breaches that we spoke about earlier, somebody's able to get your password that you use for that specific website. Well, we generally know that people use the same password for all of their accounts. So now that scammer or that person who is now getting a hold of your password can now get into that website. So that's why I always recommend having the two-factor because it's going to send you a text message which will require you to put in a code in order for you to get into that account. Now another thing, I mean, we, so we're talking about technology and what about you know, around the house with regards to safeguarding your vehicle, your property? What are ways that we can be more vigilant there and what are issues you see happen sometimes i've heard people talk about the the crime of opportunity and often we don't think about that but what what is the crime of opportunity and what are ways we can safeguard ourselves around our house well i think a lot of people get into that safe city syndrome where they think that they can leave their car unlocked leave their purse in their car or their laptop on the seat keep in mind if you if you do that and you leave your windows down or your doors unlocked that's your crime of opportunity meaning that they can go in there and they can take what they want or even leaving your garage open with some of your uh, valuable assets in there if a suspect's walking down the street and they see that they're just going to walk in there and take it so that's what we refer to as a crime of opportunity we need to safeguard these things whether it's lock your car and don't leave your valuables in it close your garage or even when we talk about technology, we're talking about securing your Wi-Fi password. Because think about it, even with a Wi-Fi password, with the right tools, I can actually get into your Wi-Fi. But if you have a secure password on it, it makes it more difficult. And, and this can be done from right in front of your home. If you've ever turned on your phone, you can see which Wi-Fi signals are being transmitted. And if, you're, if your website or if your um, Wi-Fi is unsecured, that's a crime of opportunity for me as a hacker or somebody that is interested in getting your personal information. Our feature interview is Detective Tim Lohman from the Ventura County Sheriff's Office. Please stay safe out there. If you have any issues, you can go to ftc.gov to learn more and also ic3.gov to learn more. Tim, thank you so much for being in studio. Thank you, Mike. My pleasure. And that's it for our show today. Uh, Big thank you to our sponsor, Era Energy, powered by safety, innovation, and community. We help keep California moving forward. Thanks for tuning in to The Big Idea. You can also find us on iTunes. Search for The Big Idea. Subscribe, rate, review. Thanks for listening. Have a great week.